a lot of new things there. But um, Craig wanted me to let people know that there will be tutoring. We're starting tutoring, after-school tutoring. We'll be going on every Tuesday and Thursday starting on September 11th from 3 to 4.30 in the afternoon. And so, uh, again, if you want to tutor, um, we want to tutor, and we can't tutor without tutors. So, yeah, that's where you come in. You just have to show up. That's it. Just show up, and you can be a part of that ministry. Also, uh, t- uh, we're starting a dance class on Tuesdays from 4.30 to 5.30 on the 11th as well out there to teach dance. Um, and then there's an art workshop that we'll be starting in the next couple of weeks. And um, the time that will be decided, so if you're an artist or you like to dance or that's your, your gig, again, we'll be letting you know more information about that. And lastly, we're going to have the share shop. Um, it's going to be opening in Hollybrook within the, within the next month where you can uh, bring your clothes, your furniture, your stuff, and we're going to be uh, ministering, using that to give away to the folks that we're uh, in relationship with at Hollybrook. And so, again, there's just Craig Carell is uh, on, on the point for that ministry. He's doing amazing things. And there's just tons of opportunity for you to get involved. You know, the story um, about, you know, going in that hospital room, I just kept thinking, like, how many times in our life are we responsive and obedient and following God into places that we lose control and places that are dark and places that, that we don't know, we don't have all the answers and we don't have the means to fix it. I mean, how many times do we do that? I mean, whenever I say live in a way that if God doesn't show up, you're in big trouble, that's what I'm talking about. That's exactly what it looks like. You know, a 16-year-old girl walking into a room where there's spiritual stuff going on and she was gracious in how she communicated that. And just being there, just being present. You know, Hollybrook is no different than that. It's, it's going into an environment where, where you're not in control, where you can't fix them. You can't just, just do away with the uncomfortable reality that you leave with because the haves are, are rubbing elbows with the have-nots. It's just a great place to experience God's kingdom. And Craig Carell is doing a phenomenal job, an incredible job, at just uh, opening up doors for us. All we have to do is just go there. All we have to do is show up at these opportunities. And uh, he's so, I mean, he says such a calling on his heart. And so, again, I hope that as we read those, th- those things that you would feel like, man, what an opportunity. I'm just going to show up one week. I don't, I, don't, I don't have maybe the tools or the heart or I don't, but I know that I'm out of control, and that's uncomfortable for me. And in that place, you will experience God unlike any other place possible. Unlike any other place. God meets us in those, those places. And so um, thanks for those testimonies. Again, those are just great stories. All right. Um, you know, I want to talk about today. We just got back from our staff retreat, and um, we spent a whole bunch of time uh, you know, doing nothing except for being with the Lord and worshiping the Lord and listening to God. And uh, we woke up early in the mornings. We shared. We had a lot of great times uh, during the meal, sharing about each department, sharing about their vision, what, what they're excited about this year, and us getting to ask questions about that and then praying over them, praying for that vision, interceding for the church at each one of those levels. But, um, but that was the extent of the business that we did. The rest of the time we spent with God. And, and with each other, and worshiping. And, and it was just an amazing time. And one of the things that came out of the week was, um, was a reality that as gifted 
and as um, clear and as purposeful as we might be as a church that if we don't come back on a regular basis and center ourselves in an intimacy with the Father, then we, uh, we, will, be, we are, will be wasting our time. We'll just be wasting our time. And the verse that I was reading, I, I was rereading some of the chapters from the week, and the, it's just a short verse, you know, I will never leave you or forsake you. I mean, how many times have you prayed that over someone, if you're a prayer minister, or if you've been receiving prayer, you've, you've heard that. I'll never leave you or forsake you. And that's Hebrews 13:5. But, I mean, what does that promise really mean for us? I mean, what, how does that promise affect us in a way that we live differently? If, if I asked you, again, I, if, if you heard from God tonight, you were sure that it was God. I mean, you were 100%, like, like something amazing happened, like you woke up and there were angels in the room and Jesus was there at the front of your bed like, I'm here, you know. And, 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 he, said, and he said to you, sell everything and moved to Sisker Statahoochee in, in Africa. That's not really a city, I just made it up. But he just said that, you'd be like, I'll do that because I know that God is with me and that he's not going to, you know, he's not going to leave me hanging. We would do that, wouldn't we? We all would do that. It doesn't matter about anything that's happening here. If you experience God like that, you heard from God like that, and there was an assurance of him not leaving you and him not forsaking you, you would do anything for him. You would be totally obedient. Walking to a, into a hospital room would be easy. Going to Hollybrook would be easy. Going to your job every day would be easy. And so experiencing the promise, I will never leave you or forsake you, is a big deal. It should have transformational impact on our life. We should be living different as, as a result of that, of that verse. Yet we don't because the place that that promise is cultivated is the quiet place. It's the intimate place. It's the place where no one's around. It's the place where someone's not laying a hand on your shoulder and praying for you. It's, it's the place where you're not worshiping corporately. It's the quiet place in the closet with the lights out, and it's you and the Father, just you and him. And there's no substitute for that. That's the only place that that promise, I will never leave you, Antley. I will never forsake you, Antley. You can totally trust me. That's the place where that promise becomes reality. That's the place where an, our intimacy develops as our foundation in a way that nothing can shake us. We were all created for that place. We were all created to be in fellowship with God or friendship with God. I don't know whatever language you want to use, fellowship, friendship, you know, buddy system with God. He never leaves you, you never leave him, you're always together. Um, he made us in his own image so that, you know, we like to talk about that, don't we? Being made in his image so that we can go forth in power and authority. But that's not why he made us in his own image. He made us in his own image so we could relate to him. He made us in his, his own image so that we could understand him, so that we could enjoy him, so that we could hang out with him, so that we could get him, we could get him. No one gets God like we get God. All the rest is an overflow of that relationship. 
I mean, have you ever had a friend in your life that you totally connected with at every level? I mean, at every level, like you're just like, bam, you know, they're the same football fan. They like the same kind of food. They like to spend their time the same way, type, same kind of personality, everything. Have you ever had a friend like that? No, you haven't. Liars? Yeah, yeah, my husband. Yeah, I mean, no, you haven't. There, there's always something about the other person that you eventually find out that jacks things up, that messes it up. Always. Always. I mean, we know husbands are leaning over, kind of elbowing the wife, you know. Knowing full well that there are dimensions of your spouse that you hate, that you cannot stand, that you have put up with and will continue to put up with because you're married now. And there is no way out. So you have to deal with it, and you do deal with it. You know, unfortunately, God knows that. That's why love is blinding. Because if it wasn't, we'd never get married. We go through this warm, fuzzy stages, and we see no wrong. We do think, this person, I'm with for eternity. This is great. They love everything about me. I love everything about them. And then you get married, and just things change, you know, and... I can't explain why God does it that way. I'm convinced the same reason that babies, are, babies and puppies are cute. We'd never have them if we saw what they ended up being like. It just wouldn't happen. And God knows that. And so love does blind. You know, there's a, um, but but we, we can't. We won't ever find anyone that's perfect for us. Because God is the only one who's perfect for us. He's not going to share us with anyone. There was a movie um, back in the 80s about two high school guys that designed the perfect girl. They made her to be everything. Weird science. Who remembers weird science? The SOBs do. Come on. I know you do. You know, basically, there are these two unpopular teenagers, Gary and Wyatt, and they uh, fail at attempts to be accepted by their peers. And in their desperation to be like them, they create this woman via their computer. And there's an electrical storm, you know, Things happen, and all of a sudden, this living, breathing, perfect, in their minds, creation of a woman comes out to fulfill all of their needs. Just leave it at that. In every way. But one of their desires is to be popular in their school. And, um, you know, and it looks like, and, and, you know, whenever that's happening, I was like a teenager whenever that movie came out. In 85, I was getting ready to graduate. I remember thinking, that would be sweet. That would be nice, Lord Jesus, come. No, you know, and, uh, but, but in, in the case of that woman and in the case of everyone that we will meet, they're never perfect. It's, it's never what we think it will be because if it was, we would stop hungering for the one who we were created to be with. We would stop hungering and searching and getting after God. And we would find satisfaction in other people. That, and that's the reason people get divorced a lot of the times. Not all the time, but because there's a hunger that's left in a relationship that wasn't met. And so they move on and try to find a relationship in someone who will meet them. You know, studies show that people who get divorced, they, 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 they end up marrying someone who's like the first person they married. I don't know why that is, but that just happens. But, but the reason we're not totally fulfilled in relationships is that you were not created in anyone, anyone else's image. And no one was created in your image. And so in the uniqueness of being made in God's image, being one of a kind, we find relationship and hope with the one that we do mirror, that the one that we are like, 
unlike in any, like we will in any other relationship. He made you, he made each of you for himself to understand him and to be understood by him. That's why you were made. That's why you were created. You know, all the stuff that we talk about, bringing the kingdom forward, you know, and power and authority and all these things about transforming the community, about bringing healing and restoration, all of those things are a byproduct of this foundation, of this reality, of God's desire to be with us. You see, the problem comes, when, when man was created, there, there was no separation between us and God. And the reason that we pursue other people, we pursue career, we pursue money, we pursue profession or schooling or whatever it is we pursue, we pursue all of those things because of our broken relationship with the Father, because we believe lies that God will forsake us, he will leave us, that he's not enough for us. And so hungry to be filled we look for life. We look for relationship in other things and in other people. But that's not the way it's always been. You know, we settle for that, I think. We settle for that. We settle for a relationship with God that is so much less than what he created us for. Prior to sin, man and woman were in perfect friendship with God. perfect relationship with God, perfect everything with God. And they, and they were one, it says in Genesis, perfect in every way. I mean, the best thing about the Garden of Eden was not nudity. It just wasn't. I know that you, you've thought that your whole life. Can't wait for heaven, going back to the birthday suit. <laughs> but that, that's not the best thing about Eden. The best thing about the Garden of Eden was that man and God walked together. They were together in perfect relationship, and they were together in perfect relationship with each other. With man and woman were in perfect relationship. That hadn't happened since. And neither has perfect relationship with God happened, ever happened since. In Revelation 21, 1-4, it says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. It could say, with man again. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them. As their God, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, nor any more. For the former things have passed away. The former brokenness in relationship is being restored. He, basically, in this, you know, in the book of Revelation, we're getting a picture at the end here. It's the very end. And God's saying, this is what you have to look forward, for, look forward to. It's me and you, baby, back together again. That's it. That's what you've got to get fired up about. The old things are gone. We are back as we should be. God will dwell with man again. That's how you'll know you're in heaven. That and you're nude, I think. I don't know. But you will know you're in heaven when you are back with God. 
You will never be in relationship with him on this side of heaven like you will be in heaven. But we are called to hunger and to pursue that. After the fall, our, our desires that were screwed up, he's making right. The authority that was taken for us by the devil, Jesus has died and come to give us back. But ultimately, the thing that Jesus came to fix was our perfect relationship to the Father. That's what he came for, is to restore our relationship to the Father. And the way that he was able to do that was because he and the Father were perfect. His power, his authority, his anointing, his ministry all came out of his confidence and assurance in his Father's love for him. And knowing that his Father would never leave him. In 10.30, John 10.30, I and the Father are one. 14.8 to 10. You know, Philip's saying, you know, Jesus, show us the Father. As if, like, Jesus isn't enough for him. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long that you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. I mean, Jesus and the Father were perfect. The reason we don't have the ministry that Jesus does, we have the command to do the ministry that Jesus does, but the reason we don't have the ministry that Jesus does, we don't do the things all the time that Jesus did. We do them at moments. Why? Because we're connected to the Father and we get it. We're hearing him correctly. And so we minister in power and authority. But all the other times where we ask and it doesn't happen, we pray and it doesn't happen because of this broken relationship. Jesus perfectly saw, heard, and did the Father's will. We perfectly try to see, hear, and do the Father's will. But on this side of heaven, we won't in every way because not because we don't have the authority, not because we don't have the power or the anointing. It's the relationship. It's the relationship. It's the love relationship. That's what we need to be hungry for. If we want to see our church grow, if we want to transform the community, if we want to move in power in our lives, and when we pray for healing, we see more of it. When we, if we want more transformation internally, it's the Father's love. That's where it begins. It's the relationship, the perfect relationship that everything comes out of. Everything comes out of it. He came to bring us back into fellowship with the Father. In Ephesians 2, 13 through 19, I'm not going to read it all. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who were far off were brought near by the blood of Christ. And he came and preached peace in verse 17. To you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Basically saying, everyone, everyone, if you're far off, if you're near, it's his love, it's his blood that's brought you back to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Christ came to bring us back to God, the Father, to restore us and heal us so that we could have a restored relationship with the Father. A restored relationship to the Father, a restored relationship to the Father is the consummation or like the bottom line goal 
the goal of Jesus, the consummation of all of creation, the consummation of all that Jesus did, all his healing, all his evangelism, all his prayer, church, everything that's happening, all exists for one thing, and it's you, to bring you back into love and relationship with the Father. That's why, it's all, that's why it is what it is. Yet we go backwards. We go like we want the healing, the power, and the authority, and then I'll try to spend some time with the Father and get his love. It's the exact opposite. It's like Jesus does all these things to bring us this way, and we do all these things and take us away from what he's originally brought us to be back in. The more we are restored, the more we are healed, the more we are transformed, the more we look like God, the more we reflect the image we are created to be, and less of the fall and the sin that we've fallen into, the more we are capable of being his buddy, of being his friend. It's not because we smell better or we're squeaky clean and we dress right or any of that. It's not because of what's happening on the outside, but it's because of what's tra- the transformation that's happening on the inside. And the more like him we are, this is just like basic logic. You know, I didn't take math and college because I didn't have to. But I took logic instead. And they allow me to take logic because I had to go to, like, calculus or whatever. But basic logic, and it's – oh, I'm not going to go there. I don't know why I have a problem. That's not even my notes. Anyway, the more, this is basic. This is like rational thinking 101. The, the more we are like him, the more we're, we're transformed in his image, then the more of him we take to our family. The more of him we take to our friends the more of him we take to our community. And when we take him, you know what we get with it? We get his authority. We get his power. We get his love. We get everything that we need, his potential. We get everything, everything that he is. The more of it we have, we just naturally take that with us. It has to do with one thing, spending time with the Father when no one sees you. Intimate time with the Father when no one sees you. That's where your identity, your image is restored, where you get more of him. And, and, and the bad part of you, the sinful part of you is washed away in that intimacy. That is where power comes from. If we are closer to the Father, know and believe that he will never leave us and forsake us, then we believe and we will do anything he asks. We will know and do anything and everything he asks when we know that he will never leave us and forsake us. And we know that he will never leave us and forsake us when we experience that love that comes in the quiet place. And when we feel doubt, it's because we're not spending enough time with him. Now, this, isn't, uh, this is not, and my agenda in this is not, to, you know, to motivate you with guilt to go start having quiet times or more quiet times. That, that's not what I'm talking about. I just feel like this is what God wants to tell you today. He wants to remind you of this. He just wants you to know you were made for him. He made you for this purpose. There's no greater news than that. He's made you to be with him, and he sent Jesus to make it happen, to bring you back. That's it. But we don't understand, we don't see ourselves as, as 
and created in his image. When we don't spend time with him, we forget. And so we doubt whether we can do what he's called us to do. And so when we go, we, don't, we take more of ourselves and less of him. So we take more of our power, less of his power. More of our know-how, less of his authority. Less of his anointing. And so in that place of being filled up, being intimate with the Father, our goal is not to take those things. Our goal is to take him. Naturally, just take the friend with us that we've cultivated a relationship with, that we believe will never leave us, who's always with us, will never forsake us. You know, you each, each of us, are his weird science person. Each of us are his weird science woman or man, that he has created special, unique, one of a kind, and his image to be enjoyed by him and to enjoy him. I mean, that is a crazy thought, that the creator of the universe designed you the way you are for one purpose, and that is to be with him because he loves you. That is what he wants you to know more than anything. That's what he wants you to know this morning. That's what I felt like I heard last night. Is just tell him this. Remind him of this. Remind him that they exist for me. That they belong to me. And that I want to spend time with them. I just want to spend more time with them. This fellowship with God, this intimacy is yours for the taking. For you to be able to experience his love and his relationship all day long in every circumstance. And the ability to maintain this close relationship is directly related to the intensity you seek in time alone with him. They're directly related. I'm not going to say they're cause and effect. If you do this, then this will happen. But they're directly related. The intensity into which you seek fellowship and the love relationship with the Father is proportional to the ability that you will have in all of your circumstances during the day to experience his love and his grace and his mercy. Fellowship with the Father is the goal of your alone time with him. It's not about Bible reading. It's not about prayer. Those are ends, are means to an end. The end is being intimate with the Father, spending time with the Father. And those things can become your goal. Those things can become a distraction. That's one of the things I love about the soaking houses and the prayer times that we have because we just are present with God. We just turn on some music or sometimes turn off some music and we just wait in his presence believing and demonstrating that we believe he just wants to be with us. He doesn't want to teach us through the Bible. He knows our requests as if he just wants to be with us. He just wants to be with us. If we don't get anything right at River City Church, but this one concept, this one thing, the Father loves us and he wants to be with us, we will have done great things for the kingdom of God on this side of heaven. What God wants is this friendship with you, just you. And Jesus teaches us, but when you pray, go into a room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. That's what Jesus says when he talks about prayer. Go into a place that is quiet, that is dark, where no one will see you. And when we do that, he says, and then I'll reward you openly. I will publicly reward you. 
But that, that's him just blessing us beyond what happens in the quiet place. You know, more important than your worries and your questions is your friendship with him, your interaction with him, your speaking to him and listening to him. And, and, and it will. It might feel awkward at the beginning. It, it will definitely, I'll tell you, if you're not used to doing this, just chilling with God, the enemy will make you feel like a freak. You will feel like this is different. This is weird. What, I don't feel like I'm, I'm doing anything. I'm accomplishing anything. He wants you to believe that, so you'll disengage. I encourage you to stick it out. Stay with him. Listen. And just be present with him. This is the place where you give him your heart. You give him your dreams. All of your life comes into that place. And you just lay it out there for him. It's the place trust is developed. From that foundation, anything can become possible. And when anything happens to you during your day, that will be the place that you remember the promise. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Let's stand. You know that song we sang? I